Hey, 922 Church family, welcome to week number four of Less Me. And I know earlier on in the service today, you got a whole lot less of me. My microphone wasn't working, but I got the thumbs up, and we are good to go right now. And by the end of this, you might say, Pastor Tim, we had more than enough of you. If you haven't been watching our sermon series up to date, uh, we are walking through the, the book of Matthew, uh, walking along with our Savior Jesus, listening to his words, uh, helping uh, uh, our hearts understand the, the great danger that pride is and, and how our Savior Jesus modeled what it looks like to be humble. And we're going to continue that journey today as we continue this series, but, but we're also going to, to dig into a word that Jesus spoke in a few minutes uh, that really applies to our life for today. And I'm so glad that you're here as we get to do that. Now, as we begin week number four, I, I really want you to th- figure out the answer to this question. If you're sitting at home, maybe write it down or, or think it through, make a mental note. What is it that inspires you? Or maybe a, a better question, a, a different one is, where do you look to or, or what do you turn to to get motivated? If you're a, an athlete, you might get motivated by the speech that your, your coach gives before the, the game with the big rival. It causes you to get super excited and jacked up and rush out that door and, and, and give it your best. If you're like me, maybe you turn to other resources. I personally, in my position as lead pastor at, at 922 Ministries, love to, to catch podcasts that are, that are leadership-based. I love to, to listen to, to speakers who, who are experts in their field, maybe business experts on leadership. I've attended conferences and heard keynote addresses, and I just love the opportunity to be inspired by, by others and to be motivated by what they say to take on the next challenge. Perhaps the, the most memorable one that, I, that I've ever heard was one given by Andy Stanley. If you're at home, maybe some of you have heard his name. He's a pastor of a, a large church in Atlanta. Uh, it's a multi-site church, which is a, a reason why I like to listen to the things that he says. Uh, I attended a conference there and heard a keynote address. And in that keynote address, he, he talked about leadership. And he used the example of Joshua. And it inspired me. Maybe some of you know the story of Joshua. The first five books in the Bible were written by Moses. He was a pretty popular guy in uh, in, in the Bible, you see his name throughout the pages of Scripture. And Joshua had to follow that. Uh, Joshua was the one who was chosen to be the next leader. The, the Israelites, the group of people that the entire Old Testament is about, uh, were on the, the shores of the Jordan River, getting ready to go into that land God had promised to them. Their leader has just passed away. Joshua has been entrusted. God has said to him, be strong and courageous. And then he tells them this. Joshua, go and tell the people, we're going to cross the river in three days. You can imagine what Joshua was thinking. Uh, God, what about the battle plan? How about some details? Give us some instruction about how we're going to get across the river. It'd be really helpful that my first major, major challenge as a leader, if it goes like an epic fail, I, I don't know if they'll ever listen again. Joshua, Tell the people to get ready. We're crossing the river in three days. Got it. And now imagine the leaders. You know, there are millions of Israelites who are, who are there waiting to, 
to go into the promised land. Joshua, no doubt, had to communicate it uh, through different means than we can use today. When we can't gather, we, we get to broadcast uh, uh, across the, the internet and, and share it live and, and replay it many times. And so these people begin to, are going to be sent out to scatter and give this message. And, and Joshua says to them, guys, go and tell the people. Get ready. In three days, we're going to cross the river. Hey, Joshua. But what about the river? By all estimation, from what we know, it would have been raging at high level. And the people would have known it, seen it. And remember, they're moving and transporting their goods, perhaps on carts. They have animals. They have kids. Maybe they have babies. And they're wondering, how deep is it? Will I sink in it? Will the rapids take me away? Get the people ready. In three days, we're going to cross the river. <laughs> Joshua responds. But what about if we make it across and we get to Jericho? How about those walls? Do we have a battle plan? Do we know what we're going to do? How's this going to work and how's this going to go? Like Getting across is one thing, but, but what if they, they're tougher and stronger and, and, and that wall is impenetrable? Three days. We're going to go across the river. And where are we going to find food over there? I mean, God brought the manna down from heaven every day while we're here in the desert. And, and, and yeah, God, we're sorry. We, we grumbled. We, we didn't trust you. But we had food. Are we going to find it there? Is it really there? How are we going to take care of all of us over there? Get ready. We're going to cross the river in three days. As I was thinking about this sermon, I, I remembered that story that I've told many times. I've shared with leadership teams. I've talked to our people about it and, and I've used it because there are times when things are so uncertain. We don't have all the answers. And as I was writing the notes for this introduction and, and thinking about things that inspired me, that keynote address that has stuck with me, I, I looked back at my notes and looked at the date. May of 2009. That whole conference was a conference focused on how to lead in uncertain times. If you remember 2009, you're old enough, or maybe you've done a little history and research because of the current situation, that was when H1N1 had crossed our nation. In May, when I attended that conference, schools were closing. Middle-aged people were getting sick and dying. Kids were exposed, and, and all of us didn't have answers. Barack Obama had just been put into office as president of the United States, and the economy was in a depression. Businesses were, were struggling. And that's what I heard. A message about leading in uncertain times. And that's what we're in today, isn't it? Eleven years later, we're dealing with a, a virus that we don't have the answers to, a pandemic that, that has spread across the world, a, an economy that, that's falling apart. And that's why I'm so thankful that 1,500 years ago, before Jesus even came, God spoke into Joshua and, and told him to be strong and courageous. <laughs> and when the questions came, he said, I don't have all the answers, but we're going to go because we trust in God. 
And 2,000 years after Jesus came to earth, we're in another uncertain time. And you might be at home raising your hand saying, but, but pastor, how, how long is it going to be till we get to gather again together? Uh, what if from your life, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure is filling your mind. And that's why I'm thankful that right in the middle, 1,500 years after Joshua, 2,000 years ago, Jesus spoke into it with a humble word. And that's what we're going to listen to today. Because I think what all of us need is to be inspired. And who but Jesus to turn to to find inspiration and encouragement and, and motivation for all the what-ifs that are racing through our mind. But what about questions that, that we're thinking about and hearing about on TV and, and all the unknowns? In fact, what we're going to look at is in a section of Jesus' longest sermon that, that he ever spoke. In fact, of all the teachings of Jesus, the, the Gospels record them for us. This one alone is referred to as a sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you've heard, about, heard of it. It's three chapters long, and, and, and in these chapters, Jesus preaches an epic sermon. And if you're turning in, uh, through your Bible at home or maybe getting your app out to try and find it or, or you read it later on, you're, you're hoping to find this inspirational, powerful moment, this thing that Jesus is going to speak that's just going to be the greatest pep talk ever. Well, you might not find that. And what made this sermon epic what it, was that it was all about humility. All about the world in which we live, the, the challenges that we face, and, and how to live a less me life in a world that's so filled with, it's all about me. Maybe you've heard some of the, the famous verses from that epic sermon that were definitely less me moments. Don't judge. Pull the plank out of your own eye. Forgive when other people sin. Love your enemies. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit, the persecuted, those who grieve. Jesus definitely wanted God's people to, to know that in this life, there are troubles, there are challenges. There are things that we face that, that are difficult. And right in the middle, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to share with us a powerful word about, you guessed it, worry. And in order to deal with worry, to find the answer and remedy for worry, Jesus is going to tell us, it's less me, less you, and more him. And i got to be honest with you. The reality is that in that sermon, as I turned through it, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, described for us the scene as Jesus was talking. The, the crowds were all around him. He went up on a mountainside, sat down, and his disciples came, came to him and he began to teach. We live in an uncertain time right now. And I, I know that all of us are on different places in the spectrum, some way over here uh, and, and some way over here and, and some in the middle. So where are you right now? Uh, truth be told, worry is not a blind spot of mine. It's not something I wrestle with. My wife would probably tell you that. I, 
I don't get overwhelmed when, when something comes up and, and looking down the road at the future isn't something that weighs heavily on my mind. And, and to be honest with you today, until about a week ago, I got it. I understood the seriousness of it. I, I appreciated newscasts that were giving us information and, and government officials giving us insight and wisdom about how do we best physically remain safe. But to be honest, last Friday, I was in my car and I went out like I normally do. And then Sunday happened. You see, some of us have, have worry as a blind spot, but the human heart is prone to worry when our life gets impacted. And that happened to me last Sunday. Last Sunday, we were able to gather in, in, in a smaller number than normal, 250 or less. But you know what happened by Monday morning? 50 or less. <laughs> you know what happened by Tuesday afternoon? If you live here in the valley, they actually put up the construction signs on major roads to, so that you could see it. No gatherings of more than 10. And that's when my heart starts to get anxious and worry. Because <laughs> my job is affected. And then Tuesday, they closed my gym. And my routine got affected. And then reports were coming out about cities making shelter-in-home requests. And, and my son, who, who was a student in Chicago, who was studying online, who we checked in on every day, and my wife said, should we get him? No, we don't have to get him. He's fine. He's okay. Let's text him and check up on him. Hey, Tim, you need to call him and talk to him about this. And I'm like, he's good. It's, it's okay. And then he calls on Friday on the day in which my wife and I were moving into our new place and says, Mom and Dad, can you come and get me? Yeah, we can. When uncertainty hits and, and change happens in, in my life, my, my heart starts to beat faster. I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I worried. And, and that's what I, I want you to think about today. Actually, if you're looking for a a definition of worry, if you checked it out in the dictionary, it would be this, to, to give way to anxiety, to allow your mind to dwell on trouble, mental distress for something that's in, uh, coming up in the future. Did you catch all those definitions? To give way to something, to dwell on trouble, to, to have mental distress. Have you felt that this past week? This past month, for some of you even longer, the last two or three months when Wuhan, China got hit with it first. Uh, that's a, a working definition that, that many of us could, could relate to. I, I have a more practical definition. I, I know that most of you probably aren't filling in the blanks, but it's our normal routine and stabilizing and normalizing is important. Uh, here's my definition of worry. Worry is like a never-ending roundabout. To all my friends in, in the Fox Valley area, you know over the last few years, our city has put in roundabout after roundabout because they believe it helps traffic flow. A roundabout, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, you come into it and enter it, you, you, you go to the right and all the flow goes around and you get to naturally exit off on whatever of the other three options that you want. And, and it works really well. And, and none of us keep going around and around and around. And those of you who are vacation fans remember Chevy Chase, and he probably did. 
and you laughed. And that's what I, I picture worry as. We're in this situation, we're, we're dealing with this issue, the, the mind is, is distressed and dwelling on something, and it's going around and around and around and never exiting. It's overwhelming. It's continuous. And our God wants to speak into that. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, what we're going to talk about, has the, the remedy for that issue. He, he wants you to take an exit off of the roundabout. He, he wants you to be on the path that leads to eternal life. He, he, he wants you to, to know the, the answer and how you can free yourself from worry on a daily basis. So let's listen to Jesus. I pray you find inspiration in the next few minutes in his words and his promises. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin in the verses that you're going to see on your, on your screen with verse 25. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? There's so much that's in there to unpack. But the first thing that, that I see in there is also humbling. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus looked around at his world. He saw the people that, that he lived with and did life with. And he knew their heart and their struggle was worry. I'm so humbled because I imagine Jesus' world is far more simple than ours, don't you? They didn't have all the amenities that we have. They didn't have the technology that we enjoy. They, they didn't have access to stores with abundance of products. And, and yet they still had the same human heart with the same issue, worry. And, and I was so humbled because Jesus saw it in his day. He, he knew it was probably true in Joshua's day. And, and God inspired these words to be recorded because he knew until the end of time, people would worry about their life and their health. Worry about having enough food and clothes. Worry about stuff. I was humbled to, to dig back into this because I see my, my Savior and his love to wanting to address the issue. And we've seen the same issue, haven't we? People worried about food and their clothes and their life. Maybe a picture like this reinforces what all of us have seen or, or experienced. Like lines of people with shopping carts ready to barrel into the Costco stores and wipe out the, the toilet paper get all the meat and the food that, that you can and, and have the opportunity to make sure that you have enough. And, and I get it. Uh, there, there is an element where there's something th that we're afraid of. And there are actually three spiritually healthy fears. Uh, if you're writing it down, I, I don't have notes for it, but, but if you're, you're thinking this through, uh, spiritually healthy fear, one is fear of God. Uh, an awe-filled respect for the God of heaven and earth who rules over all things. Uh, there, 
The other two fears are, are maybe a little less known to you. One is rap, rapid response fear. Uh, that's like what a parent does when they see their child stumbling and wobbling and they're right next to the steps. They swoop in and they pick them up and they grab them and hold on to them. It's your reaction that you'll have uh, when you're driving your car and you, and you have to quickly move to, to avoid danger. That's rapid response fear. That's, that's healthy. God hardwired us with that. It's, it's good. And, and then the last one is appropriate concern. And we're in a time of where we need to have appropriate concern. To, to be of sober mind and see this for what it is. Washing our hands matters. It helps fight off the, the virus. Social distancing matters. It's why we're not gathering regularly. Uh, social qu- uh, quarantine, uh, if you believe that you came into contact with somebody, is, is asked of you. Isolation and, and all those things are, are a part of our world. Having provisions in, in, so that we don't constantly go out. Uh, and are constantly tasking the, the community and, and those working at grocery stores. All, all those things are important. It's appropriate concern. But you know what happens oftentimes with those healthy fears? Our heart, our human heart, gives way to them, gives way to fear. And that's really what worry is. That definition of allowing to dwell on trouble a mind that's distressed, to the, a, a heart that gives way to anxiety. And that's what Jesus was speaking into. He wanted the people of his day to understand that worry is spiritually dangerous. And, and he understood what was going on in their heart. And, and he wanted to, to speak into it. Because you know what happens when that spiritually healthy fear gives way to fear? Distress. Dwelling on trouble. Giving way in times of anxious thoughts. And in fact, Jesus gives us some insight and encouragement of, of why we shouldn't worry. He uses our world in the example of the birds. Did you hear that in those verses previously? Jesus talked about the, uh, the birds. It's uh, a lesser to greater example. He, he describes that, that in their life, they don't sow or reap. Like They don't have some of the same advantages as we do <laughs> to go to a store, to stock a shelf, to, to pack meat away in a freezer, to put clothes on, on hangers and, and have more than an abundance. And he says, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. They're taken care of. Uh, they have a disadvantage that you don't and, and you have an even greater advantage you're valuable to him, more valuable than they. It's why Jesus came back to that, that same thought about worry a few verses later when he said this, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Stop worrying. Because you know what worry does? It's the never-ending roundabout and all you're looking at is everything that is horizontal. Your, your heart and your mind are meditating on a, a pandemic as opposed to God's promises. And there's distress and being overwhelmed. It, it's looking for the latest update, trying to find what the, the news media is saying, trying to figure out what the president is going to do next as opposed to, to stopping and pausing and praying and asking the Lord of the universe to do what he does to help you guard your heart and, and bring healing. 
It's the, the lack of looking vertically that, that causes us to go around and around without ever exiting. And Jesus knew that that worry was something that could endanger our spiritual lives. If you're working with, with that definition again, and you picture that roundabout, here, here's another way you might answer worry. Worry is living out the future before it gets here. Pastor Tim, but how long will it be till we get to go back to church? Governor, when are you going to let our kids get back to school? When, when will I be able to go back to work? What about my, my bank account? How am I going to pay my, my bills? All those things are off in the future, and, and I don't want you to minimize them. I don't want you to forget about them. I know they're important. It's, it's that appropriate concern, but, but when our hearts and our minds and every thought is all about them and taken off of God, we might be overwhelmed with worry. In fact, it might do spiritual damage to our relationship with God and endanger it for eternity. Jesus spoke a parable about a sower who, who planted seed. His explanation of it uh, and, and understanding of it is found in Matthew chapter 13. He said, the seed falling among the thorns, so it, it took root and it was there for a while, refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. An overabundance of worry can choke out your faith, can kill it. And that's why Jesus says, be cautious. Have an understanding of everything that's going around you. Plan accordingly. But you need to get off the roundabout. Because if you keep going and going and don't exit on the promises of God, if you, you remain there and sit there and meditate there, you might choke out your relationship with God. And my friends, that's more scary than, than a virus. It's more troublesome than a 14-day a quarantine. It's far worse to, to have that than to run out of food on your shelves or not have an extra month worth. Because what is it to have the whole world and lose your soul? Which is why I'm so thankful that Jesus gives us the answer to, to help us with worry. I believe they're inspirational words and, and I pray that you can take them to heart. As Jesus in this section on worry, he tells those Christians to, to stop worrying. Don't worry. He tells them the dead end that it is. You can't add a day to your life. I mean, you can try and figure this out and stock your shelves up to the, to, to the back of them and, and have a spare pantry somewhere else. You can go out every day and keep getting more and have enough toilet paper and, and, and provisions for, for, for months. But Jesus says, none of us are in control of our life, the number of days that we have. We can't add to them. We don't know if we're going to get it. We don't know how long it's going to go. Which is why Jesus spoke beautiful words, humble words, to make us remember when it comes to dealing with worry, less me 
More him. That's the exit off the roundabout. Uh, here's Jesus speaking into it after he, he tells us to stop worrying. He says, the pagans run after all these things. It shouldn't shock us that people are, are worried that they're lining up for food, that, that they're filling up their, their shelves. It, it shouldn't shock us that, that social media is overwhelmed with this explanation, that person's opinion, and, and everything else uh, known to man. It shouldn't shock us, because that's the world that Jesus says we live in. This is, this is what people are like. But he gives us the remedy for us as Christians to not be like the world, to not, to not live as the, the world lives. And it's right there. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. When my son called on Friday, the movers were still moving boxes in, you know what my wife and I, I said? We, we need to go get him. That's what parents do. There was appropriate concern to bring him to a place where he's surrounded with family, not, not isolated in a, in, a, in a city, was a good thing. It was the right thing. Even though it was the last thing <laughs> I, I thought I would be doing that day. That's what earthly parents do. They know what their children need. And that's what God is saying here. He, he says, don't run after the things. Don't get consumed by the, the stuff. Don't, don't let those things overwhelm your heart. To get off the, the ramp, you need to know that God knows. The good and gracious Father in heaven who is perfect knows. And that's remedy number one to worry. If you're filling in your blanks, it's based on this passage. Faith, the believer's heart. Faith trusts that God is here. I know it's super catchy and I'd love to take credit for it, but maybe some of you have heard about this book written by our pastor. <laughs> pastor Mike, who's our speaking pastor here at our downtown campus, the core, who, who's the, uh, the pastor who, who speaks uh, for Time of Grace, a national media that we are partnered with, both online and on, on TV broadcasts. He wrote this book last year. Three words that will change your life. Little did he know as he wrote this book last summer and fall and released it in January, how timely it would be. For those of you who've read it, you, you know uh, the, the three words. It's God is here. And that's what your Heavenly Father wants you to know. When, when worry is rampant, the, the exit ramp off of worry is to, to go down the path that, that knows your heavenly Father will never leave you or forsake you. God is here. He wants you to take the available exit that says, it's God, almighty, all-powerful ruler of the universe. God is here. He wants you to remember his promises that allow you to exit, that, that he's done so many things for you that you can see in your life. Mike called them his this moments. We are dealing with that right now, a virus, a pandemic. It's difficult. And yet God wants us to celebrate this. That God is here right now. That, that he knows what we're going through. That, that, he, that he knows what we need. And it's way more of him and, and less of us. Because we don't control this. He does. And faith trusts that God is here. That's why Jesus went on to to say these words next because he wants you to have the how. 
You know what for most of us we struggle with? Faith is a head thing. And you know when worry gets in the way, it blocks the, the head and the heart? Faith knows, but, but heart knowledge, trust knowledge applies. It was easy for Jesus to say, your father knows that you need them. But then he gives us the how. Now, look at these words, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. There are a few things that we control right now, right? We can get enough food. We can practice that, that, that important level of fear that, that is godly of concern. We can make sure we have enough. We can social distance. We can go to the store one by one and, and, and do it on, on a less regular basis. We can uh, not overtax our, our health system uh, by, by, by quarantining if we need to, if we come into contact with others. But when it comes to staying physically safe, that's one thing. But we also want you to be spiritually strong. And Jesus says, you control this. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The, the what ifs and the but what about questions. I got this, God says. Less you, more me. But here's the one little area and the one way that in humility you can get off of worries roundabout. Seek the kingdom. And maybe just maybe you're wondering, well, couldn't God just stop this? Am I sure he can provide for me in this? Remember what the Apostle Paul said when he, when he wrote in Romans, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Hallelujah, not all so long with him graciously give us all things. You know what Jesus did? He feared God. He honored the king of heaven and came to earth. He stepped in because a rapid response was needed because you and I were in danger of being separated from God for eternity because of our sin. So he, he stepped in, he came down, and he died and showed the love of God. And God says, when you doubt, when worry rears its ugly head, when you wonder, God, can you really do this? Will I have enough? You have enough in him. Not only is God here right now, but God was here. Jesus Christ, who lived and died so that you and I might have life. That's seeking his kingdom. That's celebrating his righteousness. That's the exit ramp from worry because it's not about us at all. It's all about him. It celebrates that he's in control of eternity. God is the one we'll be with. Which is why I want you to see how Jesus ended that parable about where he said the, the seed that fell on the, the thorny ground was was like that of people who are worried and it got choked out. But when you seek first his kingdom and righteousness, that, that is the one thing we can control to, to, to be connected to Jesus. That seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. 30, 60, 100 times. See, that's worry remedy number two. How do I get it from this head knowledge that God is here to this heart that's, that trusts it completely and gives it to him, that, that exits with his promises, that, that trusts in it and celebrates his presence? If you're a part of our 922 family, you know the answer, right? Say with me at home, roots will produce fruit. We want you to stay rooted. Jesus says, stay rooted. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That comes from being rooted right here. It comes from doing what you're doing right now, gathering, to, to, 
to connect even though not in person so that you can celebrate his, his righteousness and, and seek his kingdom. And keep doing it on Wednesdays during Lent and on Sundays going forward. And, and I don't have the answers to the what if after April 5th question, but, but we'll figure it out. We'll keep doing what we need to do so that you can stay rooted to help you be freed from, from worry and get off that, that roundabout. Keep grouping. I know we have to social distance. We can't sit on couches together, but, but we can text. And we need to thank the members of the younger generation. We sometimes call out the millennials and their love of video games and not getting in person, but you know what? We can learn from them a lot right now, how to, how to stay connected in a world where so many of us are isolated for the first time. Like text, call, <laughs> Use a phone for the way in which it was originally planned. Call the, the people in your church family who, who you, you know and say hi to on a Sunday and say, hey, I missed you this week. I, I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm praying for you. Continue to group. Continue to grow. Look on that website that Jonathan talked about before. Uh, you'll find it, Roots, a Roots plan. We call it the coronavirus version. Uh, that gives you resources to places like Time of Grace and our website. We're going to up it a little bit when it comes to social media and email. We're going to share with you content. We're going to use our pastors and others to encourage you in the grow route. There's a great Matthew plan right now. You can check it out there. The link is on that website. Continue to give of your time. Serve people in our community if you can. Social distance is needed. Help your neighbor who maybe can't pick things up. And if your heart is so inclined, if God continues to bless you, we do need and would celebrate and love the resources you give. To give is a is something that produces a fruit of contentment. And you know what's needed right now? Contentment in a season when so many are running for more to celebrate enough. And go. Go by using social media. For every post that you like about coronavirus, post two likes or three likes to, to someone's passage that they post, the kind word that they speak, the the reminder to, to not worry, to trust God. Share your, your, the posts of friends that remind us that, that God is here, that roots produce fruit. Because you know what you'll find? God will. He'll produce the fruit of contentment and you'll get off that, that roundabout of worry when you give. He'll produce peace when you celebrate that God gave his one and only son because you know that he will graciously give us all things and you can exit the roundabout. And you'll find more joy when you grow and group because you know you're not in this alone because as you dig into God's word, you'll, you'll be directed upwards and your eyes will be off, off the, the future and the unknowns and, and celebrate what is known. God is here. Which is why I want to leave you with this passage. Maybe it's a, a roots that'll produce fruit daily passage that you should come back to. Not the normal book you dig into, the book of Lamentations, but a, an amazing reminder of, of God was here and an ever-present reminder of his promise that he, he still is. And, and the one thing about the future that I know is one day we'll be with him. Until then, I, I pray this blesses you in the middle of this time of, of great uncertainty. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. I mean, if there's anything we should worry about is that. And God says we won't be. We're good with him. 
His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is enough. Therefore, I wait for him. But what about? Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry enough about itself. It has enough troubles of its own. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that, that are going on, the, the worries that you have, God knows. And he hears. And he'll provide. And unless he returns, he'll bring us through it. Yes, we're in an uncertain time. But we have an ever-faithful God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. So speaks into our life and world. Who, who would have thought that 2,000 years ago the, the world struggled with the same thing that, that we do today, fears. Not the godly ones, but the ones that we're given into and we give way to. Fears that will run out. Fears that there won't be enough. Fears for our life. And, and we need to have appropriate concern, Lord. That we need to take this seriously. There, there are people who are, who are sick and, and sadly we know many who have died. And our nation is, is wrestling with it right now. Cities are closing down. People are, are, are in their homes. And I don't know what's going to happen here and I don't know what's going on in the worlds of all those who are watching, Lord, but, but that's why we need you right now to, to speak into our life. We need roots, Jesus' roots, because we need the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit to get through it, to help us exit that, that roundabout of worry, to help get our eyes off of the future, uh, of what might happen next here in this world and, and get our hearts centered on you in the presence that you're here to stay rooted in this time. Yes, we want to be physically safe and we'll do everything we can, Lord, in our power to do that. But help us overcome worry. Help us see that it's not about us to control this situation, but to control only things that we can and leave it to you. And I pray, O oh Lord, in this time for, for two families of our church family, for the Riska family who, who mourned the loss of Stan, who, who worshiped on the St. Peter campus on Wednesday. At 78 years old, oh Lord, you, you blessed his life. He had a great last day here on earth. He closed his eyes and went to bed. And he opened them in heaven to be with Karen and their family in a time when people can't gather and come and support them, use us as a church family to reach out to them, remind them of, of the blessing Stan was and, and encourage them in their sadness. We pray, O oh Lord, as well for the Whitman family. Rhonda's mom is in hospice and it appears her days are numbered. Comfort them, O oh Lord, in this time. Use your word to, to remind them of who you are and that you're with them. And assure all of us, O oh Lord, that as we are concerned about our life here on earth, we understand that, that our eternal life is secure in you. All who believe in you, who die in you, are blessed. Lord, we pray for this comfort. I pray for our church. Help us stay rooted. Help us be freed from worry. Help us connect to you and, and do each day one at a time knowing that you are here. We can boldly pray that because Jesus once was here and still is. And he's also the one who, who taught us to boldly pray these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us.
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, receive with believing hearts the blessing of our Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.